Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching to help you face change and adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are your hosts, Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and we are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists. We will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 27, The Brain and Gut Connection with Holly Chrome. Holly is a holistic wellness coach specializing in supporting women in feeling empowered about their health and wellness through creating and achieving their own unique wellness vision. Holly works with many women who have felt like they were never successful in achieving their health goals, like they were in a continual cycle of starting over with their health, and who felt like factors such as stress, lack of support, and lack of nutritional knowledge were barriers to their success in achieving their definition of optimal health. Holly's work is served by a strong foundation in the mind-body connection and how this connection is critical to success in optimal and functional health. Holly's a mother of three, and when she isn't empowering women to finally achieve their wellness vision, she's sewing, hiking, and creating healthy, low-sugar treats. We are so pleased to have Holly on the show with us today. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Super excited. We have Holly joining us. Hey. Welcome, Holly. We're excited to have you on the Building Resilience Podcast. Thank you. I'm just so honored that I can be here with you guys today. Awesome. Why don't you take just a few minutes just to introduce yourself? Cool. Yeah. So my name's Holly. I run Holly Chrome Holistic Wellness, and I help women overcome their barriers to their vision of optimal health and wellness through using nutrition, movement, and mindset practices. Uh, The foundation of my practice is built on nourishing that mind-body connection so that we can understand that true health and wellness comes from nourishing our bodies through nutrition and movement, but also nourishing our minds through mindset practices in addition to nutrition and movement. (laughs) Exactly. It's very holistic. Mm -hmm. And I know we talk a ton on our podcast all about mindset and our thoughts and our feelings. And I just loved in talking with you, learning more about the body side of things Mm -hmm. and specifically about the gut. And I'm excited today that we're going to have a lot of talks about the connection, the mind-body connection uh, and how the gut is related. This is a personal interest to me because for many years I struggled with irritable bowel and it was so debilitating Mm -hmm. for me during my 20s and I did not understand the connection that it had to my mind. Absolutely. I think the interesting thing is that more and more studies are being done on the gut-brain connection and it's becoming more and more a focus in science as well because a lot of it is still relatively unknown and a lot of people even scientists and researchers do not fully understand the connection between them but they have established that there is a very strong scientific connection between our brains and our thought processes and what happens in the gut and vice versa mm-hmm. so why don't you tell us like what is some of the research what is the connection with the gut why is it something that we need to be looking out for 
Yeah, so the first thing that I think is probably one of the most important things is that our gut is actually responsible for producing hormones in our body. And one of the hormones that circulates through our bloodstream is serotonin, which is our feel-good hormone. It's the hormone that acts on our brain to make us in a good mood and to make us optimistic and so on. And the brain does produce this hormone, but the gut actually produces almost 95% of serotonin that circulates in our bloodstream. So if you think of a gut that is not optimally functioning in terms of like irritable bowel syndrome and so on, then the levels of serotonin that are needed to circulate in our bloodstream and act on our brain aren't being produced in sufficient quantities. So we start to experience some mental symptoms of that in terms of being more irritable or being feeling down or not being able to sleep just not being able to put your finger on what's bugging you and so on so that's probably the biggest in my opinion the biggest finding of the link between the gut and the brain the gut and the brain actually communicate to each other via the vagus nerve and it's a two-way street so the brain can send signals to the gut and the gut can send signals to the brain so one instance where the brain may send a signal to the gut is during times of stress so when we experience some kind of stressful environment, uh, whether it be an external stressor, such as a family member passing away or a stressful work environment, or an internal stressor in terms of our thoughts that we are thinking about and our own worries and anxieties, the, the brain will send a signal down to the gut and say, stress is happening. And the gut responds by actually slowing down digestion because the gut then believes that the energy needed for digestion needs to go towards combating this amount of stress. So then digestion slows down, we start to experience physical symptoms such as cramping, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas. All uh, pleasant things. <laughs> yeah, all these pleasant physical feelings that come with it. And then because that happens, our gut becomes inflamed. Right. And when our gut becomes inflamed, communication goes back up to the brain via the vagus nerve saying things aren't going so well down here. Send us some smoke signals on what we need to do here. And that's when we start to feel the tiredness and the brain fog because then the brain is starting to react thinking, okay, I need to divert more attention back there. And it becomes this whole negative cyclical process, right? Well, that that's and so I think that also, if I think back when I was having like the biggest challenges, it layers too, because then you start getting anxious. Yes. You start having anxiety and then that produces, so it becomes like this layered mm -hmm. approach. And I remember seeing doctors, I mean, this is going back at least 20 years. I remember seeing doctors and them talking to me about how there was a mind connection. And at the time I didn't really understood what they meant. <laughs> I understood that they were meaning like, it's all in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, yeah. trust me, my body is feeling it. My body's reacting. I didn't realize that what they were actually saying is that it's very connected, that what's happening in my mind is showing up in my gut. And then it was a vicious loop because of course, like I, the communication back and forth, and then I would layer anxiety on. Mm -hmm. And then the solution was, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just not going to leave. I'm not going to, and that spirals. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's further compounded. It's exactly that case, like where you're feeling this level of stress because you're having some physical issues and that stress just compounds it. And there's so many times that you can probably think of off the top of your own heads where something happened and you had a physical response, right? You meet someone that you really like 
and you're, you have butterflies in the stomach. That's the communication between the brain and the gut via the vagus nerve, right? You do something where you maybe made somebody feel bad even by accident and you feel cramps. Because the brain's communicating to the gut that, oh, I didn't mean to do that. I feel bad now. And the gut is responding with physical cramps to make sure right. that, that something happened. Right. And that's why we talk about we have a gut reaction. Or follow your gut. Same thing. Yeah. 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 There's all we're, these we're getting... cliches about, yeah, gut and brain. It's so true that there's so many cliches. It's like the cliches were ahead of the research that we're buying into or that we're learning about now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's totally interesting. And I think let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you can do. It was interesting when you were saying the mind body and how the gut is producing of the hormones. I have read recently that a lot of times for things like anxiety and depression, that people are using probiotics yes. as the way to deal with it. I have a really good friend actually, who's been on medication for years. And she was saying that probiotics have been so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's actually research that is coming out saying that a gut imbalance, which is sometimes called dysbiosis, when you have a gut imbalance, you're at a higher risk for some diseases and illnesses. But also, they're linking it to mental illnesses, such as depression and anxiety. And so that's why you may see doctors going down the route of prescribing probiotics or prebiotics or a lifestyle that balances your digestive health because you will notice some improvements on your thought processes and your mental functioning if you balance your gut. Just to go on what you said about like what can we do. So there's three things that I generally tell my clients to avoid when we're trying to balance a gut. And again, we know that our gut is imbalanced. It's in that state of dysbiosis if we have these physical symptoms, right? You have the constipation, diarrhea, bloating, cramps, uh, mental fog, lack of mental clarity, and so on. And if we have those symptoms, chances are we need to be looking at our gut and looking to balance what's happening in there. So there are three things that largely contribute to a dysbiosis in terms of what we eat. And those are fatty, high-carbohydrate foods, like fast food, high-sugar foods, both blatant sugar, such as ice cream, but also the sugar that's hidden in processed foods. Because a lot of times when we think a high sugar diet, we're thinking, I just need to not eat the, the candy that I've got stashed in the kitchen. But we also need to be looking at the sugar that's hidden in foods as well, because that can kind of take us by surprise with how much sugar is actually hidden in so many processed foods. And then looking at carbohydrates and refined carbohydrates, things like white bread, white rice, these offer no nutrient value to our bodies and they actually damage our gut. So staying away from those three things or avoiding them as much as possible will benefit your gut, right? And I say to my clients as well, if there's one thing you can do is try to avoid these foods. By avoiding these foods, you will be putting your gut in a better position to heal itself. And what are then some of the things that you avoid those? Are there things that you can do that are sort of like turbocharged foods that will help? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, you're spoiled for choice in terms of what you can do to help your gut in terms of food. Uh, so the first one is adding more fiber to your diet. And you can do things like switching the white rice to brown rice is very high fiber. It's also really high in protein. Uh, so you're getting more bang for your buck there. Bananas, steel cut oats, which are those like little cut up tiny oats, avocado, fruits with the skins on, 
chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, anything high fiber is going to benefit your gut because what happens is when it arrives in your gut, the bacteria that are working in your gut to break down your food actually use that fiber as their own food source. So when you eat these foods, the bacteria then consumes the fiber in the foods that you've eaten, and then they can then multiply, replicate, and grow the bacterial colony in your gut. And I know it sounds like super gross, but you actually want this to happen because if you have the good bacteria growing in your gut, then they can produce certain compounds that reduce the inflammation in your body. And by reducing the inflammation in your body, they can then your small intestine can actually absorb more vitamins, more minerals, and all of the other good things that your body needs to continue functioning. So anything high fiber is an excellent way to go. Well, that's so, good. I know that several years ago, my husband and I, we go for sushi almost weekly. Mm-hmm. And several years ago, we switched to brown rice. And actually, now when I have sushi with white rice, we have a certain restaurant. They actually call my husband Mr. Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Brown rice. And at first, it tasted like it's, it's a different taste to it. And now when I have sushi with white rice, it just makes such a big difference. So I encourage everybody to try going yeah. to the restaurant and just asking, do you have it with brown rice? And a lot of restaurants now are yes. And so even sushi with brown rice is amazing. Yeah. And it's also brown rice is just a little side note. If you have vegetarians listening, it's an excellent protein source for your vegetarians, especially if they pair it with black beans, it makes a complete protein, which means that it's basically as good as eating a piece of meat. Wow. Oh, that's okay. really good to know. Mm-hmm. So just mixing, because I often yep. will mix rice with beans as a side. So yeah. Yep, absolutely. So you're creating a perfect substitute for meat in that case, if anybody's a vegetarian too. What are some other things? So the second thing that I would suggest is eating fermented foods, such as pickles, sauerkraut. I just bought pickled carrots at the farmer's market this weekend. You can get pickled cabbage. There's so many different kinds of fermented foods that you can pick up these days that are suited to your own personal taste. And these foods actually contain the good bacteria that you want in your gut. So in terms of fiber, that feeds the good bacteria in your gut but the fermented foods actually have the bacteria. So you're gonna consume these foods, those bacteria are going to arrive in your gut and begin to do their their magic functions. And then you're gonna consume more dietary fiber, they're going to eat the dietary fiber as their food, food source, continue growing and producing the substances that we need to reduce inflammation. By reducing that inflammation in our gut, we can send that signal via the vagus nerve up to the brain that things are really good down here, don't worry about us kind of thing, and we start to lift the brain fog, we start to lift the lack of clarity, and we start to realize that we have more focus, Mm -hmm. we have more mental stamina for longer tasks and so on. So you just mentally start feeling better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How would you use these fermented foods? Well, I just eat them as a side. So if I were eating, let's say I was having a salad with my dinner tonight, I would even put the carrots right into my salad or just eat them as a side meal. There's all sorts of things. You could put them on a, a whole wheat cracker with some cream cheese, all sorts of ways to get them included into your diet. Kombucha is a very popular drink right now in terms of being fermented and containing the bacterial cultures i would just exercise caution with that in that they can be high sugar as well Mm. so reading labels and making sure that if there's sugar being added to the kombucha you're defeating your 
your purpose there because the sugar is going to go down and agitate things. Mm -hmm. So they'll be fighting each other almost, I guess. That's helpful. Okay, so fiber fermented, what's next? So avoiding the processed foods, like I said, and the one that I wanted to talk about specifically here are granola bars because granola bars have a huge popularity right now as being something that's healthy. It's for the person that's the healthy person on the go and contains many of the superfoods that we talked about like chia seeds and flax seeds and so on. But this is where reading your labels becomes really important as well because chances are those granola bars, even the ones that are touted as the health food store granola bars, can be very high in sugar. And when we consume sugar into our gut, that sugar actually feeds the bad bacteria in our gut. So we have the good bacteria that are doing all the magic and helping us think clear, clearly and having mental stamina and feeling good and energetic. But we do also host bad bacteria in our gut that will do the opposite. They will cause inflammation. They will reduce the amount of nutrients being absorbed from our gut into our bloodstream. They will cause enough inflammation into our gut to send messages to the brain saying shut things down, things aren't good down here and that's when we experience that negative cycle all over again. And when we consume sugar, these bacteria feed on the sugar. And this is why we hear of sugar being called an inflammatory food mm -hmm. because it arrives in the gut, these bacteria feed on that and then they grow, they outnumber the good bacteria and then they start to irritate the intestinal lining. And when the intestinal lining is irritated, it has trouble absorbing those nutrients. It has trouble producing the, pro or the hormones that we need to you know, function and feel good about ourselves. So that's why I say avoiding the processed foods and the biggest piece of advice is reading your labels. Watch out for those names of sugars in your labels because they will go into your gut and provide some level of irritation and sort of defeat all the good things that you're trying to do with all the other foods. Yeah, absolutely. Like you see so many granola bars right now that say like a power granola bar because it's full of chia seeds and chia right. seeds are wonderful and they will for sure help your gut. But if there's as much sugar in it as well, then you're fighting a losing battle in that sense. Well, that's interesting. Any other foods? Yeah, so this one seems, it seems quite like, of course I would do that. Eat a salad at least once a day. So put, put a salad on your menu at least once a day. And the reason I say that is because vegetables are very high fiber foods. Mm -hmm. And by consuming all of these vegetables, you're consuming more dietary fiber. But additionally, when we cook vegetables, we actually deplete the nutrients in the vegetables. So vitamins and minerals are uber sensitive to heat. So if we're cooking our broccoli, chances are we are depleting the broccoli of the B vitamins that are contained in it through the heat. So when we actually eat the broccoli, there's not very many vitamins left. Versus if you have a raw vegetable, a raw piece of broccoli in your salad, you've maintained the level of nutrients, the level of vitamins and minerals in that salad, so you can consume it and then it can go down into your gut and be released into your bloodstream. So that's why we say a salad every day. It's not like related to societal ideas of eating salad to to lose weight or eating salad to as a meal replacement, it's totally linked to it is full of vitamins and minerals. And those vitamins and minerals are what contribute to our energy production in our body, therefore making us more mentally aware, having more stamina to complete our tasks and so on. And I guess a wide variety of the vegetables and the leafy greens and everything like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I do advise my clients to change up what they're eating in their salad so that they are getting that wide variety. They don't have to change it up every day, but making sure that the wide variety of vegetables are coming in over the course of the day is a great idea because all vegetables contain a different amount of and combination of vitamins and minerals that we want to have in our body. Yeah, I often find I get stuck on the same salads. Yeah. <laughs> the same rotation over and over. I like it so much, I'll eat it, and then I'll have to find a new salad. Yeah, absolutely. That is not the first time I've heard that story. <laughs> the last one that I've got for you is eating foods high in omega-3 fatty acids. Typically, when we hear the words omega-3, we think fish, but omega-3s don't come from just fish. You can get omega-3s from walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, even romaine lettuce has omega-3 fatty acids in it. Consuming the omega-3 fatty acids is a great idea because they actually go down into our gut and they promote the growth of the good bacteria. They also, when are broken down, produce compounds that minimize the inflammation in our gut but they also produce the compound that is the preferred energy source for our small intestine and our large intestine. So our small intestine and large intestine are actually powered by fatty acids. And that's why we are seeing a huge push on omega-3 fatty acids. Right. What about supplements for that? Because I noticed that there are the... Mm -hmm. A lot of people take supplements with for omega-3s now, and the reason being, the scientific reason behind it is that our diets are naturally higher in omega-6 fatty acids. Okay. And there has to be a special sweet spot of a ratio in terms of omega-6 to omega-3s. But because our diets are naturally higher in omega-6 fatty acids, we can sometimes be consuming 15 to 20 times the amount of omega-6 compared to the omega-3, whereas the optimal ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 is four to one, or two to one, they, there's some school, different schools of thought on it. So that's why sometimes supplements are being pushed right now, is to increase uh, the amount of omega-3s to balance the intake of omega-6. Okay, so it's, wow. it's a good idea then to take a supplement. So. Yeah, if it's a personal choice, obviously everybody's different and I would definitely recommend talking to your medical practitioner on whether that's a good idea for you um, or for anybody listening. But a lot of people have been going that route of taking an omega-3 supplement for sure. Awesome. So that covers some nutrition things we can do for mm -hmm. our What are the other things that we can do for our gut? So I've got two sneaky ones. <laughs> because love sneaky things. We love the sneaky yeah. things. <laughs> we always think like that to balance our gut, it's just what we're eating. But there are two sneaky players that actually influence our gut as well, and exercise is one of them. So when we exercise, we usually think of the fact that we're improving the state of our muscles. We're doing something for our muscles, whether it be our cardiovascular muscle of our heart or our physical muscles around our body. But when we exercise, we cause that release of endorphins into our bloodstream, and that's why we feel so good after exercise. However, after consistent exercise, usually about six weeks, we start to see changes in your gut as well, and we actually start to see an increase in the functioning of the good bacteria, and an increase in the breakdown of the fatty acids in our gut, which again is the preferred fuel source for our gut, so it's getting everything it needs to function optimally, but it's also getting everything it needs to ensure maximum optimal absorption of our nutrients. 
So when we exercise for a consistent period of time, it has to be, it's studies have shown about six weeks for these changes to take effect. We are improving the state of our gut in that way as well. So if anybody's experiencing some kind of dysbiosis, not only will exercise help their mental clarity anyways, because of the release of those hormones, but consistent exercise will improve the state of our gut, which will further positively impact our mental state. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting connection. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't matter what exercise the person does. Yeah, that was, I was going to ask, yeah. does it have to be a certain cardio? If you're, it doesn't matter. No. What it no, it doesn't matter what it is. Just any form of exercise that a person enjoys. I always say to my clients, take part in, a, in an exercise that you enjoy. Because if you are trying to do something you don't enjoy, yeah. then you're putting stress on your body. And you've done that. Yeah. yeah, getting back into that negative cycle, right? So even going for a walk on a consistent basis will help. A daily walk after lunch or dinner will absolutely help. And then the, the compounded effect, the immediate effect of the exercise with the feel-good endorphins, and then the long-term effect of the exercise with balancing our gut will come together in lovely harmony to help us think clearly. Yeah, yeah. So many benefits of exercise. So a question here, so it takes about six weeks to, of exercise, like consistent exercise to get the positive effects of, in your gut. How long does it take for eating approximately if there's, to feel the positive effects if you have a problem with your gut from the time that you mm -hmm. change your lifestyle or what you're eating to the time that you notice differences, if there is such a thing? I mean, it's different for every person, every body, like every, physical body has a different rate of healing and that's down to the immune function as well it comes down to as well the additional things that a person is doing if they're eating plus exercising or if they're eating plus taking supplements and so on so the timeline is very different but sometimes you can see an immediate effect in terms of go 100% you switch off all of the refined foods and you switch to whole foods you may see that you feel better the physical symptoms after eating aren't as strong or some people they will consume some kind of food let's say pizza they consume pizza and 90 minutes later they don't feel good they have a headache they have cramps and so on versus if you eat a salad with some chicken on it you're not going to feel that effect later and that could be down to the fact that your gut is preferring that energy source at that point in time in terms of like a holistic healing perspective of like, I've struggled with these gut issues for so long, how long will it take of me doing this to heal? Yeah. Everybody is different, but I would say generally like three-ish weeks, we would start to be, start feeling pretty good. Okay, thanks so much. That's pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. The gut actually regenerates itself fairly quickly in terms of the skin cells, which is why you would exceed, you would experience some kind of quick, uh, relief from that. Mm -hmm. So what was the other sneaky friend? Uh, meditation. Oh, yes. So this is a really interesting one because I feel like when people tell me like, oh, I've been having these, these digestive issues, I have cramps after I eat or I feel constantly bloated and such. And I say like, oh, have you tried meditation? They're like, what does that have to do with this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not in my mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not in my head. My yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the reason being is that when we meditate, we actually activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation 
nervous system, the relaxation system in our body. And what happens is when we activate that system, the body will decrease the levels of cortisol, which is our stress hormone, floating around in our bloodstream. Cortisol is one of the hormones that can cause inflammation in our gut via slow digestion. So if we meditate, we activate the parasympathetic nervous system, digestion will actually maintain its consistent speed instead of slowing down because it doesn't have cortisol acting on it to slow it down. Because digestion then continues to move along at a nice steady space, we're improving the amount of elimination from our body, but we're also decreasing the inflammation that can be caused from food sitting in our gut for too long. Hmm. That is a sneaky player in there. Mm -hmm. That's the role of activating the parasympathetic system. Yeah, and that's where you realize the power of the brain on all of this, right? Like if you can engage in meditation and enter into that relaxating state, you're not only just doing yourself a favor in your brain, you're also doing yourself a favor in your body as well in terms of that relaxation state is impacting your body. It's decreasing the amount of cortisol floating around in your bloodstream. Therefore, your digestive system is not slowing down in times of stress. It's continuing at a a steady space and absorbing the nutrients and decreasing inflammation and ensuring good gut bacteria and so on. Hmm. So it all works together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the foundation of my practice, right? bringing all of these things together, how your brain affects your body and how your body affects your brain, that's where we experience true health and wellness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom. And hopefully we can all get on track with those three areas of that, the nutrition and our exercise and our meditation. Where can people find you? So you can find me mainly on Instagram at Holly Chrome Holistic Wellness. Mm-hmm. I post a lot of recipes on there, mostly for decreasing gut inflammation and increasing your gut health. I will occasionally post some workouts onto there as well that people can do at home, especially in, in the times of us being at home more often. Mm-hmm. I talk a little bit about mindset there as well because mindset that is just so critical. <laughs> That's it. Well, yeah, yeah. We inundate our audience all about mindset. So I love having the importance of nutrition, exercise. Mm-hmm. It goes with mindset. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm so appreciative of the work that you guys do because it is mindset. It starts with mindset, mm-hmm. right? Everything comes back to mindset before we can move on to other avenues as well. So, and it's, it's, it is combined with the body. Like as mm-hmm. much as the mindset is all about the mind, the, the thoughts, as you have you talked about here, the thoughts in the body, the mind and the body are connected. We, Absolutely. We can't, we can't be dealing with them separately. We yeah. can't have one without the other. We can't have a one that is in disharmony and the other one be okay. They've got to mm-hmm. both work together. Absolutely. And I mean, you can talk about all these times that you probably noticed yourself if you're having a negative thought some part of your body has clenched up in that negative thought, right? And that is exactly the effect. Your brain can impact your body, but then your body will keep that clench, that tension, and that affects your brain because then you're like, oh, I've just got this really sore sore shoulder. It's sore all the time. I don't know what to do about it. But actually it could have been your thought processes that caused that in the first place. And then we get back into that negative cycle of not being able to balance them out. Yeah. 
And we know that the, when the stress response is activated, it's responsible for all sorts of problems in the body. And that's where all the cardiovascular and digestive and autoimmune mm -hmm. and all those diseases that are coming up, a lot of it has to do with that connection to the mind and the stress response that we go into when the mind perceives the threat. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Thank you so much. Any parting words of wisdom? I would say for anybody looking to improve the health of their gut is to do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do all of these things in one go, like say like today is it and this is what I'm doing. I always say to my clients, let's change one thing. Yeah. Let's do that one thing until it's easy mm -hmm. and then we're going to add something else into it, right? Yeah. So if the one thing is not eating any more granola bars, <laughs> that are from the store, let's just say, yeah. <laughs> then that'll be the one thing until it's easy, until you found some alternative solutions to take the place of a daily granola bar habit if people have those, right? That, that daily granola bar habit is wreaking more <laughs> havoc than I think we knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just take it slow and steady wins the race, obviously. So add one thing at a time until that thing is easy, then add your next thing. Uh, that's great, great advice. advice. Yeah, the smallest step, the smallest consistent step is what's going to get you the biggest changes in your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us today. So no much. problem. Thanks so much Thanks. for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you are interested in a little bit of weekly motivation, want to be kept in the know about upcoming free classes and resources, new podcast episodes, and other ways of working with us, please go subscribe to our weekly email. You can subscribe at www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Again, that's www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you again soon.